Welcome to Carpool Q&A, where we give you one topic, one conversation, and then about 15 minutes uh, to get you from point A to point B. And uh, I'm here with Becca McKay and Tana Ottinger. And we're going to talk today about something that Tana is going to bring. Each time we get together, we we bring one topic. The others don't know ahead of time, so we just talk about it uh, as we go. So Tana, what are we talking about today? So a question or comment or thought or pushback, I could even say that we get a lot around here is, well, what about this connected parenting thing in the real world? So I would love for us to talk about this idea of like, well, what, how does this, like, what about the real world? Like the real world doesn't treat kids this way or people this way. So can we just start there? How about the real world? Well, step one is figuring out how to insulate your child so they never have to experience the real world. That's number one. (laughs) Right, totally. Wouldn't that be so nice? (laughs) Oh, now, I, I mean, yeah, this is a conversation that, uh, I mean, I think a criticism that I had of my, of my own or a question I had in my own mind when we started out, because I could identify with like, yes, this feels right to be, uh, compassionate and loving and, and, and empathetic in this way in our home and to create a safe space and all of that. But we're going to have to do a measure of, of, uh, of, code switching teaching in our house for how to like turn on the toughness when you leave the house. Right. Um, Obviously there is a measure of that that happens, but I think when this conversation comes up, it's, it's assumed that we're teaching our kids in this context to expect this from everyone else in the world, to expect being treated as you are by your parents in your home when you go everywhere else in the world. And I don't, I don't know that that is, um, well, I can say with surety, that's nothing that we've ever taught, uh, firsthand to ourselves. So you, you might catch somebody speaking about this, who, you know, is leading the charge to make sure that everyone treats every child in the world with, you know, a, a home-like safety, but, but that's never assumed. In, in fact, the opposite I, I would say is true. What we've found is creating that safe space and creating a layer in a, in a relationship built on trust allows you to prepare your kids for the real world in maybe a much more aggressive way than, um, than the way that uh, a lot of us were parented traditionally. I would say like that question is fair because it's from this like protectiveness that you have over your kids. So the yeah. question is coming from like a fair place. Like, but what about, they have to listen to fill in the blank coach, um, teacher, police boss officer. one day, police officer, like, and so I think that it comes from a protective place. But if you play that out, what you're usually saying is, I think I want my kid to instantly comply 100% of the time. And I think that that actually is a dangerous precedent to set for kids. If you play that out, do you really want your kid to comply with whoever is bigger or stronger 100% of the time versus the connected? And, you know, and I won't even say connected parenting. I'll say empowered to connect parenting with empowered to connect parenting. Yeah. We're teaching kids to advocate for their needs with respect. Yeah. We're teaching them to be able to speak. Um, You know, I think, if you play that out, if you play out instant compliance, that can lead to young adults who are in really horrible work environments being treated yeah. badly by their bosses. It can lead to young men and women being in um, romantic relationships where they're enduring a lot of yeah. abusive behaviors. And so I just think uh, the real world that we're preparing these kids for, it does exist. 
Yeah. But I would be careful to think that the answer is they should instantly comply with authority. I think authority is so, so important. And there's so many reasons why parents have to set up those guardrails to keep their kids safe while they grow. But we're doing that in a way that empowers them to use their voice. So that would be my like, man, off the cuff. These conversations are so funny because like JD said, we don't know what's coming. So this is not like um, yeah. from page 67 to- of XYZ. Yeah. This is just totally. like from our hearts and our minds. So there's so many directions you could go with this, but that's the first place that my mind goes is, yeah, that's a real, real fear. And think about how you're living into that with your mindset. And are you really preparing kids the way that you want to? Well, I think one of the things- I know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, JD. Well, to piggyback on that, Becca, one of the things that immediately comes to mind is that, you know, you talked about wanting instant compliance like that's something that people are kind of connoting i think the other thing they're connoting is like that we're raising kids to be soft and not be able to handle uh, any kind of criticism scrutiny whatever adversity adversity and i think the the thing that i would say there is when you have a completely safe place um and, and where you're able to go and ask your dumbest, most ridiculous questions that you think nobody else would allow you to, to ask without making fun of you in, in life. Like if you have a home environment where you can ask every question, you can be as safe as possible and where or behave in a way that wouldn't be acceptable elsewhere. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. You are opening up the world for your parent, for your yeah. home to be a place where you can teach very openly and honestly about the world and prepare kids for those specific environments. I think the hilarious insinuation is that we parent out of empathy and kindness and respect and there's compromise and, and you know, all of that. And and then we're not talking to our kids before. Like, in fact, we're probably more prepared than most of the ways that people are being taught to parent now because we're having to think through the layers of what our kids are going to encounter. So they're being taught intuitively how to think through their day, what they're going to need in each place, what to expect in each place, and therefore then being prepared with how to how to respond to adversity, how to regulate in adversity, how to uh, ask for compromises when they need to get needs met in a way that's not being offered. You know, so I think this question, when I think about it, some some of the things that sort of float through my mind are like we really need to take a beat and think about human development. Mm. And child, like the development through childhood and adolescence and the role of felt safety and emotional felt safety and co-regulation and learning about yourself and understanding yourself and being curious with what's going on inside of yourself. Like all of those things that are, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Becca, because I do feel Every time we've encountered that question, it really is coming from such a place of love. It really is. Like, I do believe as parents, we long and desire to be good parents. Like, very rarely have I met a parent that wants to be a bad parent. So we are coming with all of these really big questions about what I'm doing today. How is it impacting my child's future or their adulthood or whatever. So I, I do honor the question for sure. I think it's going a step beyond that and layer unlayering it and saying, 
And, and sometimes, not always, this question might come in a situation where it might be a parent that is trying to parent or supporting a child with more outburst, emotional, or, you know, like they're just, they're struggling with more meltdowns or what would look to be behavioral problems or outbursts. And in an effort to set their child up for success, they just want those behaviors to stop. Yeah. And so I think there's a concern that it could perpetuate them. And how is that really helping them be respectful when they get older, that kind of thing. Like I can't let my child be mouthy at home because they can't be mouthy in the real world. So I think it's usually tied to some sort of behavior they're seeing or feeling or experiencing that they are hoping to see change and growth in. Yeah. So that's when I come back to, okay, what, what is behavioral change? How does that really happen? And what, what supportive role can we as parents and caregivers play in seeing long-term change and growth in our children? And to your point, usually obedient, quick compliance doesn't actually help in the long run. It's more like I'm only complying because I have to in this environment, but I don't necessarily have the internal motivation, desire, skills, ability to self-regulate, ability to have enough insight in my own to avoid situations that aren't healthy for me. Like all of those skills that are required for them to actually not respond that same way when they're an adult, right? So let's say that you have a, we all have a stress response. So let's say that your kiddo has a fight stress response. What they need at home is a curious, compassionate, insightful caregiver that is equipping them with the ability to regulate in stress so that they don't fight. Right. Right. So that when they get out on their own, that's been modeled and experienced and repaired and they've gotten to try it again. That's that muscle motor memory. That's the scaffolding. That's the human development side of things that really does set them up for the real world to, 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 I think both of y'all's points, like you can't just punish out behavior and expect that it won't come back again. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the, the big difference in my mind of, you know, do what I say uh, the first time with a happy heart, which is kind of something that was brought up for us, like the difference in that. And then having an environment where kids can, can ask and get some back and forth and question and ask for negotiation and all that. The difference is you're, you are like what we are attempting to do through empower to connect. We're attempting to, to help our kids understand the why in everything foundationally. So we've got some curious kids at home. I will not lie to you at times. I want to just go back to compliance world because I'm tired of questions. Um, But that's, what I'm finding as they get older too is this wild, uh, seemingly out of season maturity that's growing amongst their other friends and noticing other people. And and some of this is personality. I get it, but noticing other people, noticing other people's needs, having it, having a, uh, we have one kid who probably will be a lawyer one day and is, is great at, um, arguing <laughs> at home. And, um, and I do realize that's a gift sincerely, but, um, is able to spot when teachers are just doing things and they don't know why, like, 
she had no idea why we're doing this. And it's because we allow those questions to come at home. Because if I'm doing something without reason at home, ultimately, I want to know more than I want to keep my authority intact with this child who I'm, I'm needing to dominate in that moment, whatever, like, I I'm happy for if something I'm doing is not working and we can figure out why, uh, if, if that can happen through a respectful channel, I want to know and figure out so I can make changes uh, to those things. If we teach kids how to figure out the why and how to source things from the root when they're having these meltdowns and we're teaching how to regulate behavior three stages back, back here, then in the classroom, when so-and-so says something or throws the eraser or there's that trigger moment that comes up, that kid is able to go, I need to go to the restroom or I need a, I need a second to calm down or quietly go to the teacher and say, Miss so-and-so, I'm feeling really upset right now. Is there a way that I can go, you know, whatever. Yep. You, we're helping them advocate for themselves. Yeah. Which Agreed. leads to healthier adults, right? 100,000%. Uh, Becca, I want to ask you a question, something that uh, is part of this conversation, usually when it's been brought to me. Um, and but we, we're a transsexual adoptive family. So I have two kids who are African-American. Becca, your spouse is African-American. I, I the, One of the things that's brought up a lot is, yeah, 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 I get that, but that doesn't work for all kids. Like some some kids need to know how to be blindly compliant in the moment to stay safe. And so, Becca, what would your answer be to that as we're having this conversation? Yeah, I think it's, you said, um, you know, you said code switching earlier, and I think it is, and you mentioned it too, Tana, kids are smart enough, even little kids, to know that in different environments, there's different expectations because kids learn that the first time you go to grandma's house and you have to be careful with the glass porcelain figurines, like kids learn at home, we can stand on our couch at grandma's house. We can't. So I think that like when, when we say that kind of thing, I would, um, I would say it's important if you're parenting kids of color in the United States to be very aware of the dangers that that brings yeah. and to be very open and honest about those conversations and to teach from a very early age in appropriate ways how to comply when you need to comply. That is fair. I don't think that that means that that kid needs to learn how to hop and comply in every single setting, every single time, every single place, because I think most parents would say, you know, yelling is probably not my favorite strategy. Okay. If my two-year-old is running into the street and I'm on the porch, I'm going to yell. So like we have this innate ability to kind of differentiate our approach based on the real dangers that exist. So what kids need is they need to be educated about a real danger that they may not know exists. They need to know that that is out there They need to know that there are situations that could be unsafe for them, particularly in transracial adoptive families. It's important that your kid understands that if they're the only person of color, that brings different challenges and associated risks. And so there's so much more to unpack than we could do in a carpool Q&A. But the principle I would point out is that we differentiate the strength of our approach based on the danger and kids are pretty smart. They can pick that up. They can understand it and we can model for them what are situations where it's appropriate to push back with your words respectfully and what are situations where you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And that could be with, you you know, you're talking about, I think specifically law enforcement, but there's other situations where it is appropriate to just say, yes, ma'am. And then there's other situations where it's appropriate to say, you know, you're trying to get on a flight and you're stranded in a snowstorm 
and the lady is saying, I can get you on this flight, that might be the time to just say, yes, ma'am. Okay. There might be a different situation where you could negotiate and push back, but sometimes it's better for us to just say, yes, ma'am. Like, so I want to acknowledge that that's true outside of like law enforcement and other situations. We can model it. We can talk about it. We can trust that our kids are already from a very young age, a lot of times interacting, whether it's with teachers at school or at the co-op or Sunday school teachers or babysitters, they're learning that there's different expectations and they can adapt to that. Sorry, that was way too long of a question. I mean, answer your question. I felt that, Becca. I'm glad you highlighted that. I think that what I'm hearing you say, I think really does go hand in hand with kind of sort of the essence of what I was bringing, which is they have to learn, like whatever their stress response is, that might come out in a moment of frustration or stress or danger. If they haven't had opportunities to practice what to do instead in a safe way, they may not actually be able to comply. They might actually not be able to comply, right? So instead their their stress response might be what is activated. So at home in, our approach to parenting, it's like help them get to know that stress response so that they can, in essence, be master over it and understand it and advocate for themselves and be able to master it when it is time to comply. Because I often think what's happening is they're getting in trouble and or in situations that are not healthy or safe because they haven't had an opportunity to really practice regulating that, that place of stress. So that's kind of, I think, I think they go hand in hand, if you will. Yeah. Well, and last thing I'll say about that too, like we, as parents, like we had to be aware of the dangers that exist, uh, which is a whole battle in and of itself. If you grew up in a majority culture in a, in a way where you are not um, finding that uh, to be a struggle for you, um, if you're unaware or if you believe these things don't exist, you probably have a good bit of homework to do to figure out first what the actual dangers are, what the challenges are. Um, and again, this is also a separate, probably 10 part series we could do. And, and um, uh, we've talked about this some with Rhonda Rorta that the challenges of growing up in that setting and a lot of times you're not, you're not aware of the challenges until you actually face them in the real yeah. moment. So I think step one is a parent prepare your kids. If, if it is, this is a poor example, but as a broad macro example, if it's going to be uh, 20 degrees outside, I'm not sending my kid a jacket to school without a jacket, but I've got to be aware of the weather before I send my kids out to school so, to help prepare them, right? So I've got to be aware of the challenges. I've got to prepare them for them uh, and then go from there. So it is not that simple, obviously, but we're using kind of broad uh And you there. wouldn't say go to school without a jacket now so you can build up tolerance to withstand cold in 15 years. Again, simple analogy, but there are some like parallels that we can draw there. Anyway. Okay. I think that's probably all we could say about this in our Q&A, but I, I think, you know, where we could land the plane is it is a valid, really thoughtful, good, right. I would say, right. I would petition. It's the right kind of question to bring to anything you're thinking about doing in terms of how we're interacting with our kids. I think what I would invite you to do is like take that question and explore it 
some more and then explore it some more and then explore it some more and find your way to what's the root concern that you have if that question's stirring in you. And then are there ways you could see that you want to be supportive and build resilience and yeah. negotiate and healthy negotiation and advocacy and self-reliance and curiosity and like all of those really good things that are part of our parenting approach. So anyway, great discussion. I appreciate you guys. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. All right, that's it for us this week. We'll catch you next week on Carpool Q&A.